It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. Scott, we had a pretty busy past week of fights. Of course, on Thursday, we were treated with Palcite dominating Martinez, and now he's the WBO Super Flyweight Mandatory. What do you like from Palcite? He's so exciting. When he turns it on, he's aggressive. He's hard-hitting. So exciting. It's just perhaps at times he... Attempts to be a little bit too patient, like we saw against Nietes last year. When he gets going, that's such a monster, an aggressive, offensive, attacking monster. How did you think that overall like card went, especially with the fights being on the the UFC uh, channel? Uh, what did you think of that whole card in general? Um, I didn't see any of the rest of the card. I just followed it the following day on uh, YouTube, uh, being naughty. Not going to pay for one worthwhile fight, I'm afraid. I'm not a big UFC fan. UFC's actually shown on uh, one of the subscription channels over here on TV, so why pay extra for one boxing card? You guys have UFC on a, a on a t- channel in, in the UK? Yeah, it's on our BT Sports, so it's kind of like one of our premium sports channels. Wow, you guys just have it a lot better than us here in the States. You say that we don't get DAZN or ESPN Plus. So probably weighs itself out, kind of. Okay, so if you're you're a UFC fan, then it's good, but maybe not if you're a boxing fan. Yeah. the The boxing commentary is not bad over there, is it? <laughs> Sorry, our commentary is terrible. <laughs> uh, there's two or three commentators who can do the job. The rest of them, they might take out. Looks look good. I mean, there's no bias over there, is there? No, they're just inept. <laughs> this guy, country team. Uh... I love Teddy, by the way. Teddy is, he's a treasure. Yeah, he should be put in a museum. Maybe. He, he gets a little out of control sometimes, but he tells it like he sees it. Yeah, that's probably the fairest way of putting it. He sees it, but it's not always the way anyone else sees it. Palcite now is the mandatory for Donny Nietes. Of course, they had their match recently, and it was a draw, a split decision draw. In the second fight, do you see anything different? Nietes is 36. Palcite is is 28, so a little bit younger. And Nietes, the, the clock is ticking on his career. Is this going to be a different fight? I think we'll see the same general feel, I think it'll be a tactical bout, but I do think we'll see Polite perhaps pick up a little bit earlier, pick up the pace. Nietzsche is so technical. He He's still fantastic. I think he'll come out winner. Yeah, I think most people had him winning the first one, but it'll be a close fight. I think Polite is underrated. Technically, still very flawed. Very powerful, but very flawed. And of course, Polite, he is, you know, a big puncher, but I think Nietes does well kind of with, with those guys. He's he's just really strong and, and able to counterpunch as well. It's surprising how he's carried up his sort of strength when he's been going through the weights. You'd imagine the guy that said 105 pounds would be out-muscled at 115, but he's proven to be strong still well into his 30s. Old man strength. It It's safe to say probably at the end of the day he's going to go down as one of the greater Filipino fighters. Of course, there have been so many. Um, over the years, but uh, I think he's etched his name into that discussion, especially now that he's a four uh, weight division world champ. 
Yeah, he's just been unlucky to come around at the same time as two of the other all-time great Filipinos. Yeah, any other time. Probably he would have got a little bit more press, but yeah, when you have Pacquiao and Donaire around, uh, that's tough to compete with them. Yeah, it's so hard. Yeah, it's possibly the strongest era of top, top-tier top Filipinos, which has been really exciting in another way in that we've now started to get these old Filipino world title belts. We didn't have one for... 90 something years and now we're going to end up with three in the space of two years that's exciting but they've now got to start actually putting exciting fights when they face each other because the last two have been really poor and do you think this fight will be in the philippines or are they going to have this somewhere else hopefully not (laughs) just being honest i'd rather it was in the u.s again but it may well take place in the philippines ala very very strong backers of uh dinietas so could Titless in the homeland. White Jones may want to try and get Polite out on US uh, streaming again, so it's hard to say where. It'll just be a really good fight, though. Hopefully, it'll be better than the first one and a clear cut winner. Moving over to Japan, uh, a couple days after uh, Polite dominated Martinez, we had a card on the second, and that was a fun, fun card. First off, we got to see Ogawa make his ring return, and he didn't look the sharpest, and he didn't look like the Ogawa that I remember. He looked good to begin with, and then sort of settled into, I don't know, I don't know if you can say it, settled into the motions, just, just happy to go 10 rounds, just happy to be back in the ring. It wasn't the guy that had been a Japanese champion and looked really good a few years ago. Yeah, he bit, he's been out for over a year, but this... I don't know. He didn't look himself, like you said. But I guess we should expect that, and we probably should give him some leeway because he's been off for so long. And we've seen fighters in, in the past couple of weeks come back, guys like Thurman, Oscar Valdez, who, again, have not looked like themselves, but it, it has to take a while to get back in there. And, of course, um, your first fight always is not going to be your best. Yeah, yeah, it's also possibly a bit of an emotional release for Ogawa as well, having been suspended for drug use, having been stripped of the IVF title. He did seem very emotional after the bout, so it may well have just been an emotional build-up as well as the physical one. It was cool to see him, yeah, kind of really thank everyone for, for staying with him, being supportive through that time, and yeah, let's just hope he d- doesn't get caught again or doesn't take any more a type of performance-enhancing drugs, and continues on with his career. What's next for him? It's unclear what's next. Probably another easier fight, but uh, he should be in the mix for um, the OPBF title or the WBO Asia Pacific title, both of which uh, would make for interesting bouts against the likes of Takuya Watanabe or Hironori Mishiro. He wouldn't be allowed to fight for the Japanese title against Masaru Yoshi, as they're both Taken fighters, but any other title in or around the regions up there for him. Do you think he should step into a domestic title fight this early, or does he maybe need one more tune-up? I think it'd be one more tune-up, then a regional title fight. Again, I don't think he'll be heading back to the uh, Japanese title scene. Nakatani versus Mochizuki was... Part of the champion carnival, of course, for the Japanese flyweight title. And this was a, a good bout, a, a back and forth bout. 
Nakatani looked a touch better, but Mochizuki, he held his own as well. He certainly came to fight. It was, it was one of those exciting one-sided wars, I guess you could say. Mochizuki gave everything. He came forward repeatedly, tried to prove his chin. He gave Nakatani a real fight. It always seemed like Nakatani was just that bit too sharp, that bit too quick, that bit too big. But that didn't ever stop it from being an exciting fight to watch. Now for Nakatani, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Still young, only 21 years old. With being so young, probably going to grow into his body as well. Um, but he's probably going to make a couple more defenses of this Japanese flyweight title before he does anything else. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine they're looking at the Japanese rankings and going down and going, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, let's pick two or three of these. Uh, perhaps Masahiro Sakamoto or Takuya Kogawa would be an option, both of which are experienced, both for world level. It both brings something new to the table. I think for Mochizuki, he still is a, I wouldn't say contender, but um, I, I wouldn't mind watching him in another fight. So he's probably going to be able to at least stick around uh, on the scene. Yeah, yeah. he He's rugged. He's exciting. He's fun to watch. He has taken a lot of punishment. He's also fought Ituan, uh BTU Ruo Viking recently and. Those bouts will take a toll, but the Japanese scene is a fantastic match as you can make with him. He could be up against someone like Siego Yuriakwai or Masamichi Yubuki, both of which would be brilliant, brilliant fights to watch. It's AsianBoxing.info. Scott and Colin with you in the Asian Boxing Podcast. And uh, a couple of the fights on the undercard uh, of this fun February 2nd card. We got to see the debut of Lee. Now, what what are we officially going to be calling Lee? Taken and G plus both list him as Gunte Lee. Boxrex still list him as Gunte Lee, and he didn't. He did have a Gunte written on his shorts. So I'm so let's confused. Just go with, let's just go with Lee. That's what I'm going to call him from now on, just Lee, because I've seen so many different, uh, like you said. It's Gonte, Kunte, but Lee, whatever his name is, looked r- great in his debut. Wasn't going up against a world beater, but has a, a phenomenal jab. Yeah, yeah. Um, from comments made after the fight, he was wanting to fight the entire fight with just his jab. It wasn't until round two that he's even supposed to throw a left hand. Oh my! And then, and then he throws at the end of the round and flattens the guy he's in against. Come on, you could have given us more time to see what you're on about. Come on, don't rush things. So he really wanted to get some work in, and maybe, you know, he should step in against an opponent a little bit more uh, in his class next time. I think he has to step it up. There's no point wasting his time. He's only 22 or 23, but there's absolutely no point in being against this level of opponent. Yeah, you want to get that work in, get it against someone that's good, especially when you're such coming off of such a great amateur career. Someone who also is coming off of a great amateur career and is his stablemate, Nikito Nakano. His second fight again against a guy that didn't have business being there. We didn't even know who his opponent was going to be, but he dropped him with a nasty body shot. The body shot was the highlight of a complete mismatch. At least Nakano didn't drag it out, at least he went and 
close the show. I think he knew there was no point being there. Just get done, get it out. Don't risk an injury. Don't risk a, anything. Just on to next time. And that's what's kind of good about, I guess, getting these done so early is that they'll be able to fight fairly soon. Yeah, I'm not sure when taking a hold on the next big card, which could feature them, but there's no reason for them to be out for like, a couple of months, absolute maximum. But just like Lee Nakano, he has to he has to get in with someone who can fight back. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic being at the Taken. It's fantastic sparring with top guys, but let's actually have them in with somebody with a bit of bite, somebody a bit tougher. Bring in one of these sort of tough Filipino journeymen and get them some rounds. Yeah, or a fellow Japanese fighter from another gym. Anything would help, just I guess, with their growth. And again... They they still are young, but it's not like they're 17, 18. I mean, they're they're now in their younger 20s. So uh, it's time to get things going for, for both Lee and Nakano. I still think, though, that the skills that they have, they, they both have bright futures. Yeah, even taking out novices, they're not sort of trying to steamroll them. They are trying to show what they can do. They are showing some good setups, some good jobs, some good movement. Hopefully, if they are going to keep mismatches, they do continue to show those skills and don't just try and overwhelm opponents. What possibly could have been the best fight on the card, Ushijima against Ogasawara. This was uh, a short fight, but the second round was a lot of fun. Did anyone imagine the show opening bout would be the most exciting? Ushijima really impressed in the first round. I thought he was fantastic. I thought his job was brilliant, but... Cut by cut by a single shot in the second round. He's dropped hard and and all hell broke loose. It's a good experience for him. He was only seventeen when this fight happened. He just turned eighteen. He literally is eighteen today, actually, and he has a future ahead of him too with his length, just a, a good body type at that weight. But you're right; he was kind of dominating in that first round and then got caught. Ogasawara. Man, he had a lot of guts. I just think uh, he got a little little careless there at the end. I think both of them got careless. I think both realized that the bout wasn't going to go lasting long, so they both had to let go. And in the end, Ushijima just landed an absolute peach right right after the clicker. It was four seconds at the end of the round, and he pulled out the bug. What a performance. And this is kind of the first time I've heard of Ushijima What's his background? Uh, was he a, a touted amateur, or is he just kind of starting things off here? They were both just novices. I don't recall seeing either of them having any sort of amateur record. They may have had a handful of fights. What we tend to see is Japanese fighters with good amateur pedigree do start in six or eight, six rounders typically. If they have amazing amateur pedigrees, they might might start in an eight rounder. The only one in recent memory was Inua, who started an eight-rounder. Everyone else is typically sixes. This Ushijima kid, he he looked pretty skilled. Uh, again, it, I, it wasn't against the best boxer, but I, I like uh, how he boxed, especially in that first round. Yeah, you can see there's some natural talent there. He looks sharp. He looks fast. There is perhaps just a guess, natural maturity needing to kick in. He needs to bulk up a bit. He's felt his body like... Um, like you mentioned with Junto Nakatani, when that happens, he's going to go a long way. He's got the talent. How much of a punch can he take? Is he chinny? 
is he perhaps lacking something in terms of durability? That's going to be a big question, a possible key issue to see him solve. This weekend, we have um, not the biggest and best fights uh, when it comes to, to Asian boxing, I guess. But here over in America, we have a couple of Asian boxers who will be on a, a big top-ranked card. This one has kind of been anticipated. Um, it's going to be in Fresno. Uh, the first bout we want to look at is Beltron versus Okada. I think this might be the fight of the week. Yeah, the styles should gel. They should, uh, they should both know this is a must-win bout. Neither guy can afford another loss. In Okada's last fight, his debut in the United States, he didn't look like the Okada that we've seen in the past, um, especially kind of getting careless there in the later rounds and being dropped. What do you think he had to do to, to get back to his form that kind of we we saw when he was boxing in japan this past week he left japan for this fight and for his fight and he actually spoke to the press and said he had real issues with sourcing food um when he fought his u.s debut there was no food that he liked and this year uh, this time around he's brought his wife to cook his meals so i think that might help i do really believe that a lot of fighters don't travel with the right mindset sometimes we often see Japanese fighters traveling the same week of a fight, which just seems seems reckless. Um, but to travel and not find food you want to eat and not feel well within yourself is probably part of the reason why he performs so poorly. So he's not a burger and fries guy, I guess, huh? Not when making weight. No, yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> not when making weight. But I, I, I can understand that. Food's, food's a big... There is a... A pretty big contingency of Japanese people in in Fresno. I I figured, you know, he might be able to find some good Japanese food. But again, making weight, you're eating different things as well. But I'm excited for this one just because it's on a big card. Top Rank always puts on a good show. And Beltron, of course, we know the fights that he always is in, uh, he's in, are fun. Yeah, Beltran a few years ago was so much fun to watch. The last few fights, perhaps he's shown signs of urging. He's perhaps not the fighter he once was. He's, what, 37, 38 now? It's his last roll of dice. Can he pull it all out? Will the move up in weight serve him better? There's a lot of questions to ask about this bout. And for Okada, a win here, what does the win do for him? For either guy, I think the win probably sets up a bout with the Dewey BC champion, who actually fights as the headline belt on this card. It's Jose Carlos Ramirez uh, defending the belt against Jose Zapita. The winner of that will probably fight the winner of the Okada Beltran belt. Genesis Cervania will also be on this card. Always an exciting fighter. He'll be going up against Castro. This looks really good on paper. Castro's unbeaten. He's young. He's showing some punch in recent fights. What do we really know about him there? What's his record really telling us? He might turn out to be brilliant. He might not. Uh, Savania, as you mentioned, is using exciting fights. He gave Oscar Valdez a tough time. He's a regular sparring partner of Noye Inoue. He had that fantastic fight with Konosuke Toniyama in Macau a few years ago. He's talented. It's just we don't know enough about Castro to see how this fight's going. Also this weekend, while there aren't a lot of big fights in Japan, there is one going to be uh, Ben Manaquil going up against Tenta Kyose. 
And this is for the WBO Asia Pacific Bantamweight title. Um, what do you make of this one? It's it's uh, it's an interesting one. Mananquil held Hinata Maruta to a draw last year. He has also had draws with the likes of uh, Kwam Shet Wan Song Chai Jim and Jing Zing, who we saw at the start this year. He he doesn't hit very hard, but he's he's skilled. He's a good cart puncher. He's a sharp puncher. Kiyose is a bit more aggressive, a bit more wild, a little bit more, I said, typically exciting. But neither has yet got a really big win over a live opponent. Of the two, Kiyose's win over a very out of shape. Uh, Oli Dong says Samashai is probably the best of the bunch. It's going to push the winner towards a ranking with the WBO. It's going to push them into big fights. But it's a hard one to call. Really hard one to call. And then also on Sunday, there is going to be a fight in Hiroshima, I believe, between Edward Hino and Koji Itagaki. Yeah, that looks like a, it looks like it's going to be a mismatch. Hino is fantastic. Hino is a brilliant young Filipino prospect. Itagaki is a war-torn Japanese veteran who's had a very hard, long career. He actually got suspended last year for wearing a contact lens into the ring. Oh, no. I'm not sure what suspension that actually turned out to be, but the JVC did suspend him and his team. Why, why, can't, why can't you wear a contact lens into the ring? And no idea. I think it may have been the fact he hadn't told them that he's going to be wearing them or something along them sort of lines, because it was one of the banners, one of the updates on their website, on the JVC website after the fight. The JBC, they come cracking down on everyone. Yeah, they're harsh. That's how it should be. You're going to break the rules and not tell them things? You should be punished. I, I honestly wish, you know, especially with all the organizations that we have, um, kind of world organizations, they were more like the JBC. They need to crack down more. Yeah, like New York State Athletic Commission or whoever it was in the U.S. gave a guy a six-month the JBC go, we're going to do it better. We're going to give you a 12-month ban. No, yeah, you try cheating in Japan and see what happens. <laughs> they recently banned Takuya Mizuno for being involved in a street fight or something and gave him a like, 12-month ban or 6-month ban. They took the social responsibility of the fight incredibly seriously. Poor Adrian Broner. He'd never survive. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. We... Here in America, we welcome that. Oh, this guy's in trouble. He's so much more fun to watch. We'll just we'll give him a slap on the wrist and let him keep going. Yeah. As opposed to, we'll not let you get in the ring for six months. Minimum. And then Canelo, like the biggest star, gets caught with roids. Eh, that's all right. We'll all right, just we'll give just him the biggest, time. most lucrative contract in the history of, the spo- of sports a couple months later. Uh, Scott, before we leave off, what other news has come out uh, that might be of interest to the fans? There's only really been a few minor announcements of female bouts, um, but the biggest single bit of news is the Wang Heng Meniyothin versus Tatsuya Fukuhara rematch has been set back four weeks and it'll take place on March 29th, not March 1st. There's been no reason given, but as a result of that, the Thai promoter of the event are giving it a little bit, a little bit of a bonus with Wan Heng and knockout, knockout CP Freshmat 
getting into the ring together on February the 22nd. Oh, boy. It's not, yeah, it's like, ah, yeah, we're getting the super fight. Oh, right. It sounds like it's going to be just an exhibition, though, which seems to be the done thing in Thailand all of a sudden. They had one a couple of weeks ago, and they're uh, having one this weekend, uh, this Friday, with Teresa Kett, Saw Rungwisai, and Nawafon, whatever Nawafon's now going by. I think he's changed his <laughs> sponsorship name. That will be Shvisaket's final bout in Thailand, apparently. Oh, wow. So th- this is it. He's only going to fight where? In the United States after this? Uh, the Thai sources this morning reported that it just be the United States and Europe, which I think he may venture into if the UFI fight unification takes place. That makes sense. Shvisaket Sorong Vasai is now, though, the Floyd Mayweather of Thailand. He's the biggest name in Thai boxing. It's a shame that he's not going to be fighting there. Mayweather wouldn't leave his hometown. I, I do think that it's good for him to come across to the United States and Europe to be exposed even more of being on the zone and, and all of that. That's going to help raise his stock. Although, why can't he fight at home a couple more times? Exactly. You let him have a stir busy fight here and there. My guess is that when he loses the title, whenever that is, he will fight back at home at least once as a sort of farewell. It's just a shame that we need to wait for him to lose a belt to fight in front of his home fans. By the way, I really loved the video that you posted with uh, Yagashi and Skit going at it. And uh, it was cool to watch Skit Sorongvisai in the orthodox style. Um, he did not look like the man he does today. Physically, it's the same guy, but it's, yeah, it looked like the first time he stepped in the ring, he was uncoordinated, and yeah, you guys just put him into pressure. It was such a brilliant find of a video as well. And where did you really dig sh- that up? <laughs> I was sent it by somebody else. I'm not sure why they couldn't give us a full fight. It's only like half the fight, and not only last, the entire fight lasts about 70 seconds, so it's a shame we couldn't get the start of it. That was cool. Those are two legends right there in the ring, kind of early on in their careers. World Boxing Super Series to cap things off. Still, no announcement. We're waiting. We want to see uh, Inouye. We want to see Donaire fight. Both guys just sitting on their hands waiting for an announcement to be made. Yeah, it sounds like it will be in April, but other than possibly April 13th or 27th has been nothing official. Uh, it was revealed by Rodriguez last week that Pepworth has been signed for the bout, but no one's saying anything more, which is it's frustrating how the Dewey BSS has gone this year. has so much potential. It's fun, fun. All I know is that their social media people are excellent at PR because all I see them post is, oh, look at this, look at this, look at that, but no announcements, although they did have one today. Yeah, uh, what was it? Maris Bredis will be in his semi-final in June. June 15th, I think, in Latvia. Brilliant. So we were meant to be hitting the finals around then, and the semi-finals might be March, April. How long is this going to go on for? We're ahead of schedule. Last fights, finals are going to be during Christmas. Yes, end of year bounce. Oh, that's true. That wouldn't be bad. It'd be awful. Come on. <laughs> Get them in September, October, then let anyway have a third bout this year, especially the way he's been going through them. Yeah, he needs to fight like 10 guys a year because he just knocks them all out. He's getting harder work in training, isn't he? Much harder work. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. 
thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, lots to talk about next week. Bunch of bouts. You don't want to miss it. Again, the Asian Boxing Podcast, Scott and Colin. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>